As we remain standing, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, and the first book in the New Testament. Then when you've located the book of Matthew, locate chapter number 22. Matthew, first book in the New Testament. Locate chapter number 22. I will read out loud if you'll follow along with me silently, but we'll read this verse together and then we'll make our prayer and get into our sermon here this morning. Matthew chapter 22, excuse me, once you've located that, locate verse number 37, verse number 37, Matthew 22 and verse number 37. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Father, thank you for the Bible. I suppose without it, we could kind of make up our own minds according to what each of us would think is right or wrong. Everybody would have an opinion. We all do. Some would say, I know this is true. Others would say, I know this is true. How would we know? Thank you for the Bible. Help us, please, to use that as our rule of thumb, our standard of truth, that which we know, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. If there's anything we can absolutely depend upon down here on this earth, it would be the word of God. So help me to help your people. Lord, we do love you. I pray that everybody in here today is saved and they know that for sure. And then those of us that are saved, I pray that we will listen intently and decide, okay, I blew it this year. I messed up royally. Things are not right. I wish they wouldn't wait till the end of the year or the beginning of a new year. But keep a short account with God every day. Lord, watch over us, please. Help the dear people. May I be able to help them with the word of God. Help us, please, this morning. We love you and thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Would you do me a favor and check your phones and make sure that they are off? I would appreciate that a great deal. Your watch, your ring, your necklace, the whatever it is that makes noise, okay? And I would appreciate that a great deal. It's a command, not an option, not a it would be nice. It's a command in the Bible. The Bible said to love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. Did you notice the three little letter word, all? This is a command. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. The soul, a lot of people say, what's the difference between the soul and the spirit? And we're always worried about Stuff like that instead of, am I saved? Am I lost? Am I going to heaven, going to hell? Um, but let me help you understand a few things here. Not in depth, but the soul is the me that communicates with people. This is not me. This is what you see. The real me is on the inside. Okay, The real me is the one who interacts with other people. The real me is the one, the part of man which... Uh, uh, enables him to reason and think and enables him to live morally if he chooses to. That's the real me. Okay, This is not the real me. 
This is a shell. This is a tabernacle. Uh, this is the temple of God. This is a body that in order to go to heaven will be left behind in the earth. It'll die. The worms will eat your body up. Welcome to the Anchor Baptist Church. Uh, but it will. Okay, I don't care how they embalm you, don't care where they put you, uh, don't care what they wrap you in, it makes no difference at all. Uh, the Egyptians had it down pretty good and they mummified people and they would say this, thousands of years, look how real they still look. They're dead. They're wrapped up in whatever they wrapped them up in, but they're dead. And worms got to them and they always will. So we find out here, he said, you're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all thy soul. And he said, with all thy mind, that the mind would simply be the imagination, thoughts, and the intellect of an individual. Okay? So what's he talking about here? We, 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 but, but, and then we talk about the heart. What is the heart? Uh, well, if you've ever listened to, let's call it a love song, which when you're rapping, I've never heard a rap love song. How's that work? Heard a lot of cussing. But I've never heard a love song. No, no, put your hand up. No, this is not a question. Like You don't know one either, so don't even start. Uh, but here's, here's what happened. It never says this, I love you with all my mind. Doesn't that sound romantic? I just want you to know, I love you with all my kidneys. By the way, in the Bible, the kidneys used to be considered the heart of a man, the center. Isn't that lovely? Wouldn't you like to sing that song? Write a poem right now. Honey, I was just thinking about you with all my kidneys. Isn't that something? But the Lord knew what he's talking about, didn't he? So he said heart. Heart is the feeling, the emotion, the desires. Most of us try to serve God, we really do, by serving others. We do that with our body. We do that. And uh, it's the right thing to do, by the way. I'm not saying it's not. Most of us try to serve the Lord with our minds. What we have been taught, we teach other people. We, we try to uh, think right. We try to do all these things. But I'm going to ask you this morning, what about the heart? What about the heart? The heart is the, again, it's the emotions, it's the feelings, it's the desires of a person. The Bible said, love the Lord thy God with all thy, first thing he mentioned was the heart. Not the soul, not the mind. But the heart. So what about the heart? What about the heart? Go to Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. You're in Matthew. Go back. Now, in between Matthew and Malachi, there's about 400 years. A lot of people, you turn one page and go, oh, so this is what happened next. No, about 400 years expired. Okay, They call it the intertestamental period or the dark ages or the the silent period. There's a lot of things people reference it as, but actually there's about 400 years in between there. Turn to Malachi chapter 1. Here and in other places, people serve the Lord without their heart being engaged. Watch. They serve the Lord. They did what was right. They lifted holy hands to the Lord. I'm sorry. They lifted their hands to the Lord. They gave sacrifice. They went to the temple or the tabernacle. They followed what was right to do. Many of them did. By the way, this I can show you this throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. But you'll find out here that there was something the Lord was very displeased with. Watch carefully. Malachi chapter number 1, drop down to verse number 6. 
Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where's my honor? This is God talking to the children of Israel. Okay, now what? We're leading to something. Watch it very carefully. And if I be a master, where's my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name. And you say, where will we despise thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye said, he said, here's, the, here's what happened. The table of the Lord is contemptible. It's vile, it's, it's, it's hated, it's worthless. He said, that's what you will say. Now, wait a minute. You waited on the table of the Lord. You were in the tabernacle. You were doing what's right. But watch what goes on. Verse number eight. And if ye offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? He said, you, you wouldn't offer this to a person in a political office or somebody that you admire down there on this earth. You'd offer me that? Now hold on. Now wait a minute. Giving an offering, isn't that right? Sacrificing to the Lord, isn't that right? They actually went to the temple and gave these things. Was that not right? Everything they're doing is right. What's he so upset about? Hold on. Watch what it says, verse 9. Now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto you. This hath been by your own means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord host? Who is there even among you that would shut the door? You won't even shut the door unless you're getting paid. You won't, you you're serving the Lord, but you won't do it unless you're getting some kind of compensation. Wait a minute, hold on. Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for nothing. You wouldn't do it because it's just right. Wait, hold on. I have no pleasure. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Our loving Lord is saying this. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. Wait a minute. Should we give offerings? Yes. Should we give sacrifice? Yes. Should we go to the, we'll call it church? Yes. Should we come here and give ourselves? Absolutely. What in the world is he so upset about? I want you to understand, drop down to verse number 13. You say also, behold what a weariness it is. Do we have to get up and go to church? Oh, come on. Really? This is, I'm so tired. I let you stay up last night. And the Lord has to get the crumbs that are left from your life. Hold on. And ye have snuffed at it. You snuffed at it? That's what this means to you? By the way, he's talking to his children, the children of Israel. They're doing all the right motions. They're going through the right, by the way, the system God set up for them. They're doing everything that he requested of them but watch what happens here. Ye have said, Behold what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn and lame and sick. They weren't supposed to do that at all. Thus ye brought an offering. Yeah, you did that. Sure did. You brought an offering. Well, that's what you're told to do. You obeyed. You followed through. You did what I required. But watch what he says. Should I accept this at your hand, saith the Lord? Did you get it? Did it make sense to you? How sad to try to serve God out of duty only. Nothing wrong with duty. Nothing wrong with doing what's right. 
You're doing right just because it's right. You're doing right because it's your duty. You're going through the motions because that's what's expected out of you to work and to perform our duty to him with the mindset, I'm doing what's required. What do you want from me? Something's wrong. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, yet absent of emotion, feeling. Let's just call it absence of heart. Serve the Lord with all thy, first thing mentioned, listen to me girls, hey, with all thy heart. Just going through the motions of service and work will not bring about the results, the motions and work we're supposed to bring about. May I say it again? Just going through the motions of service and work will not bring about the results. The motions were intended because you left out the heart. I'm not telling you that unless you feel it, you don't have to do it. No, that'd be the charismatics. But I'm telling you what we need to be doing, we need to start teaching that right is right, but what about the heart? He didn't just say serve the Lord with all your mind and with all your soul. The very first thing he said was with all thine heart. Far too many believe if we have the things of God and go through the motions, whether our heart's in it or not, it'll still bring about the results because God said. We believe that. Let me say this. God will always honor his word whether your heart's in it or not. He said his word will not return void, but it will accomplish that for which it was sent. But that was not God's plan. That was only part of it. I'll show you that in just a little bit. Go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 4. Way back in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel. God wants us to obey and do right. He does. You know that's the truth. No matter what our feelings dictate, but the idea, way of serving and obeying the Lord is from your heart. From your heart. 1 Samuel chapter number 4, we, Israel is in a battle with the Philistines. This is not good. And uh, Israel has allowed sin into their camp, uh, Hopni and Phinehas, which was uh, the priest's um, uh, two boys that were in the ministry had been sinning and doing things they should not have been doing. All the people knew it. The high priest knew it. And yet they continued on. Then they got into this battle with the Philistines and they were losing. Listen to me. They were losing the battle. And so Hopni and Phinehas, who weren't living for God, but they were priests. They were working for God, but they had sin in their lives. They come up with a grand idea. Let's go back and get the Ark of the Covenant of God. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was centered in the center of God's people. When they set up the tabernacle, everybody camped around the tabernacle. The tabernacle was in the center, and then the Ark of God that represented God's presence was in the middle of everything, just like it should be in your life. The church and God's presence should be the middle of everything that you do, should be the middle of all your life. So we find out here, they get into all of this, and they decide we're losing the battle, we're going to go back and get the Ark of the Covenant of God, and we'll bring it out into battle, and we'll be able to win again. Look at verse number 3. 
let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh, that's where it was at the time, unto us. That when, what's the next word? It cometh among us, it may save us out of the hands of our enemies. So off they go, they got the ark of the covenant. They went all the way back to Shiloh. They got the Ark of the Covenant. The priest carried it back out. They walked into the middle of the camp, and there was this huge shout, Yeah! And the enemies heard it and thought, Oh, we're goners. God has come in the middle of his people. We don't stand a chance. They said, Okay, if that's true, we might as well fight anyway. So they did, and they beat Israel. Hold on. They had the Ark of the Covenant of God right in the middle. They brought him on, I'm sorry, they brought it on purpose out in the middle of the fight. And they lost. They lost. Over almost 40,000 people died in that battle. Jews, God's people. Not only on top of that, the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. The old priest, Levi, died. His two boys, Hophni and Phinehas, they both died. Word came back and one of those boys' wives was pregnant. When she heard it, she started early giving birth to a child who ended up calling him Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed. And if you read it carefully, you'll find out what Eli was most concerned about and what Hopni, I think it's Hopni, his wife was most concerned about when they heard the news, first of all, was the ark of God was captured. It wasn't about my husband or my father-in-law. It was the ark of God. Then it was about Israel. Then it was about her husband. And then this birth of a child, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord hath departed. She died giving birth to that kid. She named it Ichabod. Ichabod meaning, God's not with us anymore. Well, wait a minute, right there's the Ark of the Covenant that the enemy took from us. You brought it out saying it will give you victory. The things of God do not give victory. God gives victory. God gives victory. Listen, be careful. They went through all the right motions. The priest went back. The priest carried it, just like, just like uh, Moses said in, in the law of God. They carried it out. They put it down. They all shouted. They gave sacrifice. They couldn't wait to get it, and they said, we'll bring it out, and it shall deliver us, and it will give us victory. It didn't because the glory of the Lord had departed. The presence of God was not there to deliver because they went through all the right motions, did not give them victory. Church, please listen to me. Going through all the right motions as if to say, what am I doing wrong? You can't prove I did anything wrong. Why do you keep looking at me that way? Do you think I'm doing something wrong? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not your judge. But I am saying this, just like these people right here, sometimes we go through the motions thinking that's the capital thing. We think that's the, that's the top of everything. If you just obey, that's all that matters. They were obeying. They did everything that God told them to do. And when it came out, carry your Bible all you want to. It won't do you a bit of good. You're supposed to know and obey the word of God, not carry the word of God. Though I wish some of you start carrying the Bible. Oh, I have it on my phone. So are you Googling or reading your Bible? We don't know, do we? Anyway, that's another sermon. Watch what happens here. Go to Judges chapter 16. Go backward. You're in 1 Samuel. If you turned with me, go to Judges chapter 16. I'm trying to prove my point before I get in the message here. 
Now we find out about a guy by the name of Samson. No P, it's not Samson. Samson. Chapter 16. Samson's heart has not been lined up with God for some time. He's been with filthy women. He's now with a harlot by the name of Delilah. She is tempting him and he's starting to play a game. I'm going to tell you something right now. Sin is no game. You cannot win that one. The longer you play with it, the trap is just getting stronger. You cannot win that game. So we find out here his heart was no longer in what he was doing. He was just going through the motions every time something came up. And we come to find out here he's just going through all these motions. Look in Judges 16 verse 20. Now, You'll find out here in chapter 16, in verse number 6, Samson's playing a game with her. Oh, Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies. She's setting him up so that the Philistines come in and kill him. He thinks it's funny. Okay, I know how to play this game. Well, you see, if you take some wreaths and put them around my paddle to... No, the next time, verse number 10. Delilah said, Behold, thou hast mocked me. You know how women press on you. Honey, come on. Why won't you just talk to me? Why don't you tell me that you're making fun of me? And he starts playing a game again. You understand, this is a servant of God. You have to understand the great things that this man did for God. Every time that Samson did something great, the Bible said, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon Samson, or the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, but do you remember the episode when he went out to the gates and took the main gates of the city and the posts and all the men that were on them, lifted them up, walked uphill and threw it over the hill? You remember that? Guess what you will not find in that episode? The Spirit of God wasn't on him. You know, some of us, we continue to do certain things believing God is still with us. But to me, it's kind of like the prodigal son that walked away from home the reason he was able to exist and continue on and do what he wanted was because of all the groceries and the gifts that the father back home gave to him. And this is Samson. He's still doing some wonderful works for God. But his heart wasn't in this anymore. Then we go down to verse number three, and Delilah's at it again. Boy, this woman just will not give up. You know why? There's money involved, and she didn't want to be with this guy. Watch what happens here. In verse number three, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and, and, and hast lied to me. Tell me whether thou, thou mightest be bound. So she puts the pressure on him once again. And he gives her another story. He's playing a game with the authority that God has given him, with the position that God has given him, with the privilege that God has given him. He's playing a game. Verse number four. How can you, by the way, fella, don't let a woman pull that on you. How can you say you love me? You won't sin and give up what you... No. That's stupid. Why would you do that? Watch what happens. How can you say you love me when thine heart is not with me? Okay, well, that's good. Thou hast mocked me. So finally she tells him, he says, look, if you shave my head, and for all of you that don't know your Bible that well, he didn't lose his power because his, it was in his hair. His power wasn't in his hair. His power was in his obedience and separation from the world and to God. And when that symbol was gone, he no longer had power with God. Now, hold on, hold on. 
He was doing everything he should have been doing. He was fighting God's battles. He was standing for God's people. He was doing everything, but a little bit at a time, he started giving in. Listen to me, Christian. Some of us are living now not like we used to. A little bit at a time, we just keep giving in. Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, you're playing a game. You're playing a game. And you teach Sunday school. Maybe you're a deacon, staff member. Maybe you teach in our school. You are privileged to do something special among God's people. Go down to verse number 20. So she's going to do it again in verse number 20. She shaves his head because he told her, this is where my great strength lies. So she did. Philistines waiting in the dark. Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Watch what happens, verse 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. Now watch what he says to himself. Ready? I'm going to go to churches other times. It's not that big a deal. I'll just go through the motions and everything will be fine. I'm sorry. That's in the Hebrew. Let me read it. That does not in the Hebrew. Watch it. I will go out as at other times. You know how I used to go out and I'd just whoop up on the Philistines? You know how I'd go out there and I'd get 300 foxes, tie their whole tails together, and, 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 and put a, uh, 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 um, a firebrand, and, and they'd set the fields on fire and we get great victory. I remember all that. I'll just do it again. See, I've had a lot of victories in the past. I'll just do it again. You just become so normal. I'll just do it again. I can have sin in my life. I can sleep around with whores. I can do what I want. I can play a game with the privilege that God gave me, and I'll just get up and shake myself again and do it again. Rest of the verse. And he wist not, he did not know, that the Lord was departed from him. Samson had, number one, sin in his life. Number two, prepared. He was not prepared for God's use. He was not separated for God's use anymore. Number three, he was playing around with his job and responsibility that he had been given to him. His job and responsibility that God had given to him. And his heart wasn't in it at all. You crank up that bus this morning? Just like any morning? You walked into your Sunday school class with a cursory read of the Sunday school. Oh, I know this story. And you have done what this past week? Well, no, I've taught before. I'll be fine. Oh, no, I've sung before. It'll be okay. I know this song. Oh, no, I'll I'll play. I I know that one really good. Oh, no, I've got that one down. So you're doing what's right, playing piano, teaching Sunday school, preaching a sermon, doing what is right, came to church. Hi, how are you? Good to see you folks. Good to see you. Hi, you like, yeah, great. Doing everything that's right. Something's been going wrong. And he just got up and said, nothing's really changed. I'll just do what I've always done and nobody's going to know. Really? He wished not. He did not even see it that the Lord had departed from him. One of these weekends, out at junior church, your Sunday school class, singing a song, playing piano, preaching a sermon. 
You're going to get up and do what you've always done. Here, it means he just shook himself. That's what I always do. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let me work out here a little bit. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, go. All right. He did everything he did in other battles. There's a huge difference this time. On this particular day, the Lord was no longer with him. He didn't even recognize it. He didn't even realize it. He didn't even notice it. Evidently, he had slowly been growing cold to the point that now that he's in the icebox, he didn't even recognize it. Till it come time for another big battle. And then it was known. All I'm asking you about, you, look, folks, you can do all this. Why, why, why is this going to happen? Why would we suffer defeat? Why did he suffer defeat? Because you serve with no desire, no feeling. Your heart is not lined up with God. And God said, I want you to serve the Lord thy God with all your heart. Not just your mind and not just your soul, not just your spirit, but all your heart. First thing he mentions is your heart. What about the heart? God does not want empty unfeeling, zombies, mechanical robots. God doesn't want that. God wants us to serve him, does not want us to serve him only out of duty. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. How can you look at me that way? This sounds like most Christians today. Preacher, prove to me I'm doing something wrong. I'm not here to prove to you anything. I'm here to preach the word of God. You know when Samson finally proved it? On that day right there. It dawned on him. Turn to Matthew chapter 15, New Testament, first book. Matthew chapter 15. Would you husbands and or wives, whatever foot the shoe fits, would you really like and appreciate your spouse staying with you only out of duty? No heart, no emotion, no feeling. I'm supposed to stay, I'm staying. Well, I'm still doing what's right. What else you want? That'd be exciting, wouldn't it? Girls, listen to me now. You probably ought to sit in the middle of it, uh, Abigail, if you'll help me out there a little bit. Listen to me carefully. There's not a man or a woman in here that will say, man, that's what I like. Yeah, well, at least they're here out of duty. Nobody would say that. You wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. And yet somehow we don't see the importance of actually getting our emotions and our feelings and our heartfelt things attached to the duty of God. Hey, preach, I showed up, didn't I? Am I supposed to clap? Am I supposed to say hallelujah? Am I supposed to say what a blessing you are to God? At least you showed up. You're supposed to be here. You say, well, I am here, but your heart's not here. Here's what you're doing. You're singing. We're singing about amazing grace. Well, at least I stood. Well, I bet God's so pleased with you. Listen to me. Samson went through this same thing, but look in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Here again in the New Testament now, watch what he says. This people draweth nigh to me with their what? Mouth. And honoreth me with their lips. They're saying all the right things. They sing praises. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We still have 20 more minutes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Five more minutes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, that's great. That's, that's one, I don't know who wrote the song. 
probably a three-year-old, I don't know. This people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips. Ready, ready, ready. But their heart. Read your Bible. But their heart is far from me. You'll not get the full results of what church is supposed to be. Sitting here out of obligation and duty. You read the Bible just to read it. That wasn't God's design. You come to church just because it's time and you're supposed to be here. That's not God's design. Tithes and give offerings without any involvement whatsoever. That was not God's design. Will the Bible accomplish what it was set out to accomplish, whether I feel it or not? Yes. The truth of the Bible doesn't depend upon my feelings. It depends upon the truth of God, period. But the full blessing, the full result, the full intent is that the Bible is supposed to be preached with power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost of God. So for the Bible just to be, okay, let's learn about the Bible. Wow, this is fun. And he took the remnants and the fragments. Folk, fragments are pieces. And it sounds like most Baptist churches anymore. Just trying to get through our week so everybody go, yay, I love our preacher. He never upsets anything. He makes me, even when I'm living in sin, I feel pretty good being around him. I hope that never happens with me. So we find out here it's supposed to be preached. So God's word is not supposed to just stand on its own. Will it? Yes, it will. Is that God's original intent? No. It was to be preached with power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Not just to be, that's what God's word says. Well, that's true. That is what it says. Is doing right, right? Answer me. Yes. Okay. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, it is. If you feel right about it or not, should you obey and follow God's word, whether you feel it or not? Yes, that's what's right. Would it be wrong to do nothing until you feel that it's right? Yes, that would be wrong. But a lot of people wait. Well, you know, I just don't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if that's the case, it's been so long since some of us felt anything. What God is looking for is obeying and serving. You ready for this? With all your heart. Obey, serve with all your heart. Not just obey and serve. Folks, please forgive me. This, this is what I get from someone. Like, hey, I miss you. Where you been? Not doing anything wrong. First of all, I'm not your judge, and I never said you were. Okay, now you're here. Where is your heart? Preacher, what do you want me to do? I'm obeying, okay? No, no, it's not okay. No, it's not okay. Because what you're hoping to get out of it, you never will get out of it because your heart's not involved. It's just not there. It's not there at all. How? Okay, so with all that being said, that was the introduction. Right, Ms. Carn? How do I get, okay, preacher, you got me. How do I get my heart back in order? That's what I want to know. Okay, maybe it's true. Maybe I'm preaching and I really could care less one way or another. At least I'm doing what God told me to do. There. 
I was uh, down south years ago when I was going to college. I know it doesn't show, but a couple years. Uh, and my wife and I, we went to go hear a guy preach. I'm not going to tell you his name. And uh, went to go hear him preach. And at the end of the uh, months later, months later, come to find out, never heard about the guy anymore. I mean, nationally known preacher. We're talking about back in the 80s. And um, somebody said he's not in the ministry, he's not even in church anymore. Are you kidding me? I mean, this guy had a fantastic message. I mean, he just, I'm listening, I'm thinking, man, that is wonderful. I never heard anything like that before. Come to find out that the preacher said, haven't heard from the evangelist. Go to the hotel room that we have for him and make sure everything's okay. Just is there anything he needs? I, I haven't heard from him since he's supposed to be in town already. So they went over there and they went to the front desk and said, there's nobody here by that name. No, no, evangelist so-and-so, here's his full name. We reserved the room. Well, you reserved the room, but nobody's been here. What? They went back and told the preacher. The preacher said, now this, this is a lot of Christianity today. The preacher said, what? There's got to be a mistake. Here's what I want you to do. After church tonight, just follow him and see. Maybe we got the hotel rooms mixed up and we're going to the wrong place. So they followed him. He went to the motel, all right. And a woman went with him. A whore. They confronted him. You know what he said? You invited me here and paid me to preach, and that's what I did. What I do other than that is really none of your business. Anybody not see a problem with that? Okay, you see a problem with him because I mentioned whore, right? But how about us? We come, we set, we show up. What are you talking about? I'm here like I'm supposed to, right? How about the heart? His heart wasn't in that. He was delivering a good sermon. He's always delivered. But his heart wasn't there anymore. God was not using him the way he should have. So how do you get your heart? Did you notice the sign out front, the saying that was on there? Did you notice that? No, you didn't. Okay, nobody reads anymore. No. It says this, your heart will follow your investment. I'm going to let you know several things on how to get your heart back engaged again. In case you show up and go, whatever. I heard him. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I've been there. I don't know if I want to go back. Your heart's not engaged. Okay, how do I get my heart back engaged again? Matthew chapter number 6. You're almost there. Go to Matthew chapter... Did I read? Yeah, I did. Go to Matthew chapter number 6. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter number 6. Your heart will follow your investments. Okay? Let me show you. Verse num Chapter 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know how most people say... Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. No, 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 that's backward. I just read it to you. Look at it, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, what do most people say? Well, where your heart is, you know, that's where your treasure is going to be. No, 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 no. God knows us enough that if we give enough to something, we're going to try our best to make sure it works. We're going to give ourselves to it. Okay, you go out and get a brand new car. You don't let the kids ride their tricycle up alongside your car. But who cares about the old Volkswagen? It's falling apart anyway. Because this one, you're still in love with. This one still means something to you. This one has your heart. And don't give me that, no, material things don't mean anything to me. Okay, then I need to keys your car. And by the way, I'll take the suit you got on too. So there you go. 
Oh, I thought it didn't mean anything to you. So watch what happens here. Do you really want to feel a part of this place? Here are people say, I just don't feel right there anymore. Okay, is truth going out? Yeah. Are we still trying to win souls? Yep. Are we still trying to reach people? Yep. We still preaching the King James Bible? Yep. Why is it you don't feel anything? Why is that true? Do you really want to desire to build, see people saved, serve God, but your heart just can't seem to get engaged? Preacher, I don't know what's wrong with me. Tithe. Give. Sacrifice. Time. Talent. Treasure. Thought. Prayer. Why? Because Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you start investing more where you're supposed to be and start giving yourself to it, you're going to find out your heart's going to catch up with where you've been investing. This is true. Look, if your house is everything to you, you take care of that. Why? I got an investment. Oh, no, love my house. Love my house. Okay. Your car, right? We never do that with our spouse. But anyway. So watch what happens here. Tithe, do all these things. And then you're going to find out here where your investment is, where your investment is. There will your heart be also. God said, serve me with all thy heart. How can I get my heart back engaged with my works that I really am not engaged with? I'm just going through the motions. But God said, these people worship me and they give sacrifice and they hold up their hands and they pray and they fast. I don't want it anymore. Why? Because your heart is no longer with me. Your heart will never fully be here with only giving yourself part-time. I go to church on Sunday morning. You'll never feel part of this place. Sorry, you just won't. No, I'm not sorry. It's a fact. Leftover time, leftover money, leftover care, leftover effort. Remember in Malachi, he said, you brought the lame and the sick and the spoiled? You wouldn't offer that to your governor. You want me, almighty God, to accept this from you? You snuff at it. Whatever. You offer things that uh, another human being would, and I'm God Almighty, and you, no, I don't want it anymore. Well, wait a minute, we're doing what's right. We're giving offering. We came to the, to the temple. We, we, we hold up our, our hands to you. We gave sacrifice. We prayed. Yeah, but your heart's not here. You're going through the motions. This is what God's trying to say. Number one, your heart will follow your investments. You mark her down. Your heart will follow your investment. Number two, purify your heart. Purify your heart. Go to James chapter number 3. Right after the book of Hebrews, you'll see. James. James chapter number 3. When my feelings, my emotions, my imagination is not locked on God only and or they're locked on the world. How can I possibly give all of my heart to God? If it's only partial towards him or I give a lot of it to the world, how can I serve the Lord with all my heart? You can't divide God up that way. Well, it's church time, so I'm serving the Lord. Well, it's work time, so I'm serving work. No, even at work, you serve the Lord. Yeah, but I'm not a preacher. 
No, but you are a Christian. So watch what James says. James chapter number 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first, what? Pure. Pure. Then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated. You want to know if you're really walking in, 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 in step with God? When it says here the word entreated, it means moldable, like you would clay. It means this. It means consenting to what is desired by another, like your preacher. Hey, this is what I think we're going to do this weekend. I don't want to do something like that. You're not easily entreated. You're not easily moldable. Back in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, verse 7. For the Lord seeth not, we're big on this one today, right? New, New Baptist, we love this one right here. For the Lord doesn't see his men, he looks on the heart. That's the point. That is the point. He mentions the heart. The Lord looketh upon the heart. Serve the Lord with all thy heart. Look, if you're not, God knows that. He sees the heart. You can't hide you can't hide this stuff from God. This is all man can see. But you take that as this doesn't matter. Well, I'll tell you what matters even more is the heart. And God said, I can see the heart. And right now, it's not locked in on me. What about the heart? In Matthew chapter 5, we love the Beatitudes, yes? You know what the Beatitudes, one of them says this. Blessed are they, are, are the, guess what, pure in heart. Chapter number 5 of Matthew. Blessed are the pure in heart. God's still talking about the heart. Talking about the heart is throughout the entire Bible. God's talking about the heart. Serve the Lord? Yes. Obey the Lord? Yes. Love the Lord? Yes. What about the heart? I did that right. I did that right. I did that right. You can't blame me for anything. I'm doing everything right. But God said, give me your heart. First of all, all your heart. Is that not do him? Is that not just what's right to do? You gave him your life. He died for you while you were a sinner. He, God gave his very best, the best he had, his only begotten son to come down here and die for sinners. And now it's like whatever. I mean, when's, when's the last time he did anything for me? What do you mean the last? If he never did another thing for you, that should have been enough. <coughs> Number three, want to give God your heart. Do you want to? You know, nobody can force you to give your heart. Nobody can force you to love somebody. It's something that has to be done willingly. Give me thine heart. Give it to me. I'm not going to take it from you. I'm not going to force you. So you're sitting here right now, yeah, but what if I don't want to? Give the Lord your heart. Nobody can force you. I can't force you. No man can force you to serve God because God wants a willing servant, a willing servant. If you do not truly want to be here or you say, I'm forcing myself to be here, you won't be here long. And even if you are here, you're not here because you don't want to be here. You understand? In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26, my son, give me thine heart. Who is his son? Make him. You can't make but the, the old preacher said one time he's talking to his son and he said, son, sit down. He said, no, you sit down. He said, no. So dad grabbed him by the shoulders and forced him down. Now you're sitting down. The boy looked at him and said, I'm standing up on the inside. We're going through the motions. You standing up on the inside though? 
doing all the right thing. Nobody can blame you. Nobody can point at anything. But is your heart still engaged? So in Proverbs, he said, son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe. Let. I can't force you to do this. Son, I'm telling you what's right to do. Please give it to me. Obey me right now. On purpose, want to give your, do you want to? On purpose, give your heart. On purpose, give your feelings. On purpose, your emotions to the service and work that's right to do. I know this is right. Preacher, I want my heart to be engaged. In I don't want to come here like a zombie, like a robot, like a disconnected Christian. I don't want that. I want to serve the Lord with all my heart. Not just serve. He didn't just say serve the Lord. Though that's true. He said serve the Lord with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength. Everything. God said, it all belongs to me, but I can't make it. you got to give it to me. So, number four, hide God's word in your heart. Hide God's word in your heart. Now, how will that help anything? Go to Psalms chapter 119, right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Ushers, help me now. Nobody else coming in or going out, please. Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid where? You there? Psalm 119, verse number 11. Thy word, so I say, hide God's word in your heart. What's he say? Thy word have I hid in my heart. What's the heart? It's not this boom, 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 boom. It's not the pumping organ. It's your emotions, your feelings, your desires. God said, I want to hide that with all of my emotions, my desires, I, I want it there. Why? What will that do? That I might not sin against God. <coughs> God, I don't want to sin against you. I want to serve you, and I want to do it with all of my heart. So I'm going to take God's word and put it in my heart because I want you to know I want to serve you with everything that's in me. Not just, you, you shouldn't read the Bible just to get information, which I think a lot of Christians do anyway. I was at the store, Kroger, not long ago, and a guy that I used to know walked up, hey, Pastor Bell, without hardly saying hi, guess what I've been doing lately? Check my crystal ball here. I said, I don't know. He said, oh, I've been studying Revelation. Oh, I love Revelation. Boy, I've been studying things that nobody's ever told me about before. That captured my attention right there. And he said, oh, I've got volumes of books, of notes I've been taking and research. The guy doesn't even want to go to church anymore. Doing all my own study. Got all kinds of notes. Got volumes of notes over here. I'm telling you interesting things. And he, I'm standing there in, in the hallway just listening to the whole thing. When he's done, I said, uh, it's good to see you again. Okay, I could stand here for hours. I bet you could. Uh, but I got to go. And uh, so uh, let me ask you something. See, his heart's not engaged. You doing what you want to do, even though you may not classify it as being sinful, if it is not what God wants, you got a step already. So watch what happens here. Don't just read the Bible to prove an argument. I, I know that's in Corinthians somewhere. This thing about unknown. Oh, I, I, I can prove my point. I can prove. Is that the time you grab your Bible? Is that when you try to read your Bible to prove an argument? You guys that teach Sunday school or, or, or write sermons or preach sermons, do you only read your Bible to get a sermon? I haven't read my Bible to get a sermon in decades. Though I think my sermons are very biblical. I read my Bible to stay close to God. I don't pray to get things from God, which will really shock charismatic people. Oh, God, I need a hanky and you didn't get to it. I'm going to quit. 
God bless my pet rock, please. Uh, what are you doing? How about this? How about going to God in prayer because he's God and I just want to be close to him? Is that, is that terrible? Do I get things from God? Yeah, that's not the reason I go to prayer. I go to prayer and I read my Bible for the same reason mankind was created. To walk and spend time with God. That's why man was created. To spend time with God. To fellowship with God. So you think the Bible, this is why we're going to make an easy read Bible. You don't need an easy read Bible. Really. So you can hurry and get through it and go on back to business. If you want, I think the Bible is written like it is. By the way, if you take out all the big names and the rivers and the countries you can't pronounce, the King James Bible, the King James Bible is written on a sixth grade level. Most of the words have four syllables or less. That's awful tough. I know it is. I'm not making fun of you. Our public school system has stolen what is rightfully ours and we let them do it. That's another sermon. Now, let God know you, you don't want God. I don't want to sin against you. Hide thy word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Where am I going to hide it? In my heart. Not just I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what God wants. I know what I'm not allowed. I know what I should be doing. What about the heart? God's simply talking about your heart. Number five, ask God to examine your heart. Maybe you're not really, preach, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. Jeremiah chapter 17. Do you know where Jeremiah is? You're in Zach, uh, you're somewhere in the Bible. Find Jeremiah. Okay, it's a big book. Go to Psalms, go forward about four or five books, you'll bump right into it. It's a big book, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. Oh, he sure is preaching a long time. What a weariness it is. How much Bible can I take? I don't know. I study out a whole message. I want to give you the whole message. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse number nine. I said, ask God to examine your heart. Ask God to examine your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Ready? God. God can. Our own feelings and desires and emotions can deceive us. Why? Our hearts, heart, feelings, emotions, desires, desperately wicked. You hear people call like that, look, I ought to know my own heart. No, you don't. If it's taking you in the wrong direction, you say, I know my own heart. Somebody's being deceived. So watch what happens here. It's desperately wicked. But if a person really wanted to know the true condition of your heart, you ever thought about this? Asking God to show it to you? Just ask God to show it to you. Because you, and, and, and the reason you do, God, maybe I'm overlooking something. My heart's not engaged. I, I can't figure this out. What is wrong with me? God, show me what's wrong so I can get it right. Because I want to serve you with all my heart. So, Hebrews chapter 4. Turn there. Way up in the New Testament. Heading toward Revelation. Way on up there. Hebrews chapter number 4. This is why I hold preachers responsible for the condition of Christianity in America nowadays. 
God has always held leadership and authority for the condition of family, business, country, church. Always has. Always will. God works through authority. So here we find out here, the preaching of God's word will do if you come to church services. When you come here, is this you? I disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think I can prove that point. I don't think I have to do that. I'm not sparring with you. I'm not fighting with you. I'm trying to help you. I wasn't taught that way. I don't care. Look, folks, I was I was raised up in a heathen home. Actually went to a Seventh-day Adventist church, I think maybe a year with my mom and grandma. That, that's a false religion, by the way, Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, then grew up, got saved in a work salvation church. I was as confused as a turn light and yo-yo. And so I, with all these, you say, well, how how'd you get things straightened out? What if I would always say like this? I wouldn't train that way. I, I wasn't showed that. That's not what my mommy taught me. Look, if my mom is wrong, she's just wrong. She's not wrong because I think she's wrong. If she's wrong, according to the Bible, Mom, hey, tell you this. That's not true. So watch what it says. In, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14, when you come to church, you ought to come here going like this. God, please talk to me today. Show me me. Why? Because I want to stay engaged with you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So in order to do that, I can deceive myself, and I don't want that to happen. God, I'm telling you, that's not what I want. I don't want that at all. So I'm asking you, dear Lord, to please examine my heart in case I'm deceiving myself, in case I'm fooling myself, in case I really don't know that my feelings are leaning this way and I should be going that way. So watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick, that means alive, and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder, that means in, in the middle, of soul and spirit. Now, I don't know where that is. I don't know where the soul begins and the spirit. I don't know. You, anybody? Yeah, me neither. And of the joint and marrow. I don't know when the marrow becomes bone and, and before it becomes bone. Is, I don't know where that happens. Okay, but the Bible said the word of God does. Watch this. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. Now, I'm not exactly sure where intents are and then thoughts pick up or vice. I don't know, but God does. See, this is why you sit in church sometimes go, I think he doesn't like me. See how he keeps staring at me? Why does he keep looking at me that way? I look like this everywhere I go. Grocery store, clothing store. I mean, I look like this everywhere. You're nobody special. So there I am, and you say like this, why do I feel so guilty? By the way, that's a good thing. Guilt is a good thing, or can be. If you were really, really sick, but you never felt it, you could die and not even know anything was wrong. Right? So when you get a headache, oh, I hate headaches. Headaches is telling you something's not right. Okay? So you're sitting in church, and everything's fine. Got my Bible. Ties on right. Good clean haircut. Ready for church. Why is he looking at me? What does he think I did something wrong? Why do I feel this way? You know, I'm not sure I like that church. I feel guilty sitting there. 
First of all, why would you feel guilty when somebody's just preaching the Bible? Could it be, could it be, hey, could it be that God is saying something's wrong? And I want my heart engaged in this, God, so I'm asking you while I'm sitting in church, while I'm reading my Bible, while I'm musing on you, please talk to me. Examine my heart in case I on purpose overlook something, in case there's something I prefer that you don't. God, I want you to have my whole heart in this service for you. I don't want to just go through the motions. That's kind of empty. I want you to examine me, and I want you to tell me if I'm not right, why? Because I want you to have my whole heart. I could deceive myself. King David, the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. Go to Psalm, right in the middle of your Bible, chapter number 39, 139. 139, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. The Bible said King David was a man after God's own heart. <coughs> he wanted... Everything God had, he wanted. God, you want me to turn left? I'm turning left. I pointed right. You want me to? <laughs> now, that'd be Christians today. God said turn left, so I did. Um, my right, your left. And so David, the Bible said, David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't just following commands and principles and truth. Though he was doing that. He was following God and what God's heart wanted from him. That would be the kids, you've heard me say this before, when you leave the house and you tell your boys when they get older, Micah and Levi, mommy's going to go away, daddy will be here later, I'd like you to take out the trash and sweep the floor for me, okay? Yes, ma'am. So you leave, and that's all you told them. You gave them the commands. I want you to do this while I'm gone. While you're gone, one looks at the other and says, you know something? You know what I think mom would like? Let's do the dishes too. She didn't command us to do that. Why do we have to do it? She didn't tell us to do that. It's your modern day teenager. Nobody made, she didn't say we had to do that. But they did it because of the heart. When I say give God your heart, I can't command you to do that. Though it is Bible. So there comes a time, Bible, in um, John 7, 17, when your will becomes his will, when your desire meets his desire, you shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or of myself. You having a hard time getting things from God, figuring out the Bible, knowing what it says? When you stop going by just commands, it doesn't say I can't in the Bible, you're never going to get to know God any more than you would say her boys really know her because they follow just her commands to the letter. When we leave the house at our home on our refrigerator, I have a Ten Commandment list for my wife on the refrigerator. And she has a Ten Commandment on the same refrigerator, big refrigerator. For me, mine's a little bigger. The Ten Commandments here. At the end of the day, we check the list. Did you do this? Yes. Did you do that? Yes. When it's done, we go like, yes. Oh, that's great. I love you. Because you obeyed. That makes sense? Everybody good with that? Is this not what we... Show me where I can't drink light beer for me. Don't say I can't drink beer in the Bible. Show me where I can't, I can't smoke in the Bible. Even somebody in the Bible lit off their camel. Huh? Come on. How about that? 
you do know they didn't make beer back then, right? Maybe that's why God left them out. But you see, the problem is you're looking for commands of do's and don'ts. That's what we give little children. Don't touch that, that's hot. You don't go like this. Okay, I know you're getting ready to touch the 350-degree stove. Let me give you some options here. You don't do that. Hey, get away. Don't. No, no, that's hot. You're going to burn yourself. That's a command. As they get older, they need to start serving without just commands, but from the heart. There you go. Now you're catching on. So watch what it says in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Here's David, a man after God's own heart, and look what he asked God to do. Search me, O God. Hold on, hold on. I, I, I want everything you got. I love you so much. So he turns around. He says, search me, O God, and know my, what's he say? My what? Oh. He didn't say my duty, my obligation, keeping the commandments. He said, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any. Wait a minute, David, you won't know if there's wicked ways in you. You know, after a while, we can actually cover up so long, just becomes part of us. And then a preacher comes along and goes, hey, what do you think you're doing? That's not right with God. You go, I don't like him. When you first got saved and came here, you went like this. Man, that guy got my attention. The preaching of God's word will tell you what you will not tell yourself. For example, you work at Bush Brewery and you're saved, you need to quit. I mean, like right now. No month's notice, no nothing. I could show you in the Bible where even lifting a bottle to your brother's lips is a sin. So for those of you that, hey, you want a beer while you're here? You have no idea how much you're sinning and leading people astray. It's like sleeping with somebody and you're not married. That got quiet, didn't it? I'm afraid even on the platform, I'm not sure. What are you doing? Well, you know, in 16 years, we're planning on getting married. That's good. You think I'm kidding you. There was a guy <coughs> years ago, I was going soul wing down the street, and I saw these two little white boys. It's okay, they were white. These two little white boys. And I said, hey, fellas, how you doing? You live around here? Yeah, right there in that house. About that time, this black kid comes walking across the street, and he said, uh, what's going on? I said, well, I'm talking to these two guys, and so give me a minute. He said, well, that's our brother. I said, excuse me? He said, I don't know if you guys noticed this or not. They did. I said, really, this your brother? Yeah, it's our brother. Okay. You have to understand, this is decades ago. And so I said, where do you live? Right there in that house. So I went up to the house. I think it was on Warren Avenue or something, and I met the mom, white woman, very nice lady, I can tell your name, my wife knows who it is, and uh, we got to talking, and sure enough, all three of these boys lived in that house, and she said, these are my sons, I said, well, that's great, I'd like for them to come to church, we got to talking, she said, okay, well, the next time I stopped by, a black man answered the door, and I said, um, I'm here to see, yes, my wife, she lives here, I said, you two are married, no, we're not married, so before you get all hung up on the white and black, which immediately you locked in on. They weren't married. You still can't get over the white and black thing, right? What do you mean by that? They weren't married. And yet they told the boys, this is your dad now. No, it's not your dad now. You're not even supposed to be together. 
I'll wait for some of you to start saying amen. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I'm just telling you what the Bible has to say. So one day, we became very good friends. We really did. And every time I'd preach on marriage or living together, they'd have to come and talk to me. Now, preacher, you know, and you know, it's, what are we supposed to do? And I said, look, you need to obey the Bible. Well, after a while, they got tired of hearing that. Now, they had lived together for about 10 years. 10 years. So one day I asked him, I called him by name. I almost let it slip out. Somebody said, I think I know that person. And I said, called him by name. Do you love? Yes. Okay. I looked at her and I said, called her by name. Do you love? Yes, I do. I said, you've been together how long? 10 years. Now, silly me. What are you waiting on? Well, I don't want to end divorce. Oh, I get it. So you'd rather live in adultery. You understand? Okay, now let's get our mind off of that. Let's shift back to what we're doing, some of us. We're making excuse for our dead Christianity. Well, you have to understand, preacher, it's just the way that it is. I, I know of a grandma and a grandpa lived over here in Wedgwood years ago, and when I looked at them, I said, you two are married? No, we're not married. Preacher, we can't make ends meet without living together. You're talking about finances. I said, let me get this right. So to get along financially, you're going to live in adultery? Well, they didn't like that answer, so they left. So, you can leave if you want. He ain't going to change the truth at all. How about this? How about changing us to truth instead of standing the way we want and let truth do whatever it wants to? Please understand, if the Lord came back tonight, how would you answer for your living situation? How would you answer for robbing God? How would you answer for not witnessing anybody? How would you answer for sitting in his church, going through all the motions, and your heart is not engaged? How would you tell him, I really love you with some of my heart? How would we do that? Happy New Year. Now, number six. This is going to be tough for you to get a hold of. Make your heart feel the way it should. This is the part where you go like, that's impossible. No, it's not impossible. I want you to go to, uh, don't turn here. Look up here. Pay a lot for these props. Right thinking can produce right feelings. Say it again. Right thinking can produce right feelings. You know where Philippians is? Before you get to Hebrews in the New Testament, you run into Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Got it? There we go. Okay, I'll give you a second to get there. What most people do is react and act according to their feelings. I don't care what he says. I just feel that's what we normally do, right? Well, I just feel it's right. I just read to you where our heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? It will deceive us by our emotions, by our feelings, right? Philippians chapter number 4. In Proverbs, the Bible says this. In Proverbs chapter, don't turn now, I'll be gone. 23, 7, the last part. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You don't think with your heart. You feel with your heart. You think with your head, right? Okay, now just watch this very carefully. 
Philippians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 6. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be overly concerned or worried for anything. He didn't just say throw caution to the wind, but watch what he says. But in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, all this goes together. Let your request be made known unto God. Now, if I do that, watch what he says. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your, what's say? Oh, my heart. What's next? And my mind. Through Christ Jesus. So let me get this right. If I am careful, if I don't quit, quit worrying about stuff and instead go to the Lord in prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Then he says, when you do that, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your feelings, your emotions, your, your, the, the things that come from your heart, and your mind, your thinking, everything, through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, ready? Finally, we're not done. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You are not to think with your heart. You are to think with your head. So if I put right stuff in here, I can cause my heart to respond to right. Pay attention to prophecy. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He just told me, now you come to me and tell me you need all of my help. And quit worrying about that. I know how to take care. So you come to me. Then he says, what's going on in your head? Whatsoever things true, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are... You know what that is? That's stuff in your mind. That's up here. And God shall keep your heart. So now let me get this right. If I have right things here, I can have right things here. That's not always the other way around because my heart can deceive me, right? Okay, so you may say the Bible says I should go to church. You know what I say? I love coming to church. Did you catch the difference? One is you're doing what you have to. One, I'm doing what I have to, but I love doing it. Notice the difference? Do you see the difference? You may say to yourself, I'm saved and I'm not allowed to. You know how our teenagers do. Yeah, I want to go there, but I go to church. I'm not allowed. Sounds like you love serving the Lord. Amen. I say I'm saved. I don't want to. The apostle Paul said, I get under my body. I get under my physical desires, what my body wants me to do. Remember, it's an enemy, and I'm going to make me do what's right. So he starts here with a decision. And no matter how he feels after the beating, the drowning, the stoning, the, the being spit on, the being, being all these things done, he said, look, I'm going to do what's right to do because I gave my all to the Lord. Make your heart love serving the Lord. Make it. Well, I just don't feel it. Make it do what's right. Make you feel the way you're supposed to. What are you going to do when you fall out of love with your husband or wife? 
I'm counseling with two families while I'm getting ready to, uh, that are planning on getting married. Now, with all the divorce, separation, everything else going on, why would you want to get married? Because they're still hopeful. And it's God's design. And the first thing I do is warn about all the things that can go wrong. You'd almost think I don't want them to get married. I do want them to get married. But let's face some reality about marriage, okay? I want you to, but I don't want you going, it's going to be so great. I mean, he's going to catch me in a field of daisies, and we're just going to go around and around until we get dizzy, and then we're going to have such a great time. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here. My palms are sweating, and oh, he just makes me feel so dreamy. Oh! Do you know that 70% of all marriages end in divorce? Most marriages don't last more than five years. Before you know it, they're not even sure they want to get married. <laughs> then I tell them all the benefits of marriage. Let me go that way. <coughs> but in Philippians here, what you need to do, make your heart love serving God. Look, when I walk in this building, I don't go like this. board in the hallway. I didn't notice. I've been here since the beginning. I noticed. Hey, I've heard that song 40 times. Are you looking for something different? I was dancing in the spirits. Okay. That's what they say. So instead of listening to the words and letting your mind go back to when you first heard it, something newer. How about your salvation? What's it been now? Four years? It's kind of boring. I've been saved over 51 years. That's, that's quite some time. And it hasn't all been, oh, oh, daisy fields, oh, daisy fields. That's not a girl's name. It's just fields of daisies, okay? Make your feelings line up with proper thinking, not the other way around. Do you understand? Make your heart obey the Lord. I just can't go to church today. Make your heart obey the Lord. I cannot believe these guys try to disciple other people. And one of the very first things they tell them, look, you can't be skipping church. Guess the first thing they do? Skip church. Boy, you should have had my brother. That's what you should have had. I got married and thought to myself, yeah, I'm a man now. Nobody can tell me what to do. You know how young people do, how stupid they are. Yeah, so I told my wife, yeah, we got this new apartment. Uh, why don't we just slip in, sleep in this morning? How about your brother? Uh, he, he can't tell me what to do. I'm a married man now. He's 21, I think. And the whole time I said that, I knew he's coming. He's coming, so I'm ready. Sure enough. And my brother always did this before he talked to somebody. <clears throat> I felt like a little kid every time he says that. So I walked open to the door. I opened the door. He said, where have you been? I said, listen to me. He said, you, you listen to me. You shut your mouth. You listen to me. Tears running down his face. 
I'm his little brother. He's concerned. He said, you have no idea what you're doing. When you skip church, you have no idea what's going on. You don't understand what the devil's trying to do to your life. You don't understand what will happen by skipping church. And the very first thing the devil and your own flesh tempt you with and your own emotions tempt you with is not go to church. Some of you will not be back tonight and you're headed towards a very, very bad thing that's taking place tonight. Praise the Lord, we can drink, kiss on anybody, stay up all night. What would happen if the rapture took place at 12 o'clock tonight? Make yourself feel towards God the way you're supposed to. Uh, I didn't want to hear this. You've been very, very patient. The Bible talks about singing songs, hymns, making melody. And it's a little hard to do with rapping. Man, I really love the Lord. Man, this is really good. But see, every word's a cuss word. Every word's a filthy word. Every word's a lewd word. Every word is a sexual word. Ever. Yeah, get me a lot closer to God. So before you raise your hand and start bragging, I already know. And you know what Christians are doing? Our music and actions are getting closer and closer to the world. It does not move us spiritually anymore. It moves us. But not in here. I don't like that church. The music just doesn't move me. It wasn't supposed to move you. The word of God's supposed to move you, and you didn't move. You got it all backward. The music is not the centerpiece of church. The Bible is. Preaching is. Music has a place, but you don't sing for an hour and a half and have a twenty-minute sermon. I used to tell people I want to be a thorn in society's side till the day the Lord calls me home. I think most time I achieve that. You're not supposed to feel comfortable when you're not living right, folks. It is that simple. But let's assume you want to. What about the heart? Do you have no emotion and feeling about why you do what you do? other than I'm not doing anything wrong. That's it? That's the bottom line? Prove to me that I did anything wrong, preacher? I don't want to do that. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he said, God, I want you to search me, my heart. I want you to let me know if there's any wicked way. I want to get rid of that so that you and I can be on the same page. What about the heart? Father, thank you.